It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, I'm continuing my conversation about abuse in the home and how that affects your potential income. This is part two of that conversation, and joining me today is Justin Young. He's the filmmaker of My Hero, the Hitman. It's a documentary about the relationship between a brother and sister, and the brother, Shane Stant, is the person who hit Nancy Kerrigan just before the Nationals in 1994 for ice skating. His sister is Miley Stant, and Miley, you had such a different impression of Shane growing up because you're so much younger and you didn't even realize that this event that had happened until you were an adult. But you have two other siblings, and I'm very curious how the abuse in your family, what is it that they are doing now? Are they on the on a criminal path or do they have careers, jobs? What is it that they're doing? My brother is, my brother is, it's hard because I think in a lot of abusive households, when you have um, one abusive parent, the other parent takes the complete other end of the spectrum. And oftentimes it, it comes in the form of enabling so my brother, my other brother has really not accomplished anything in his life. And I think when you don't allow someone the foundational tools necessary to succeed in anything, you're likely to repeat these patterns. So, you know, alcoholism is still very prevalent in his life. And it's like this kind of F the world attitude and I'm going to do me and DUIs every couple months and but my mom's right there to bail him out you know and spend all of her everything on making sure that he needs her still and I think that there's a lot of unhappiness just because of when you're not when you don't accomplish things when you're not challenged in your life and you don't have those moments to be proud of yourself I think that that typically leads to um, a lot of unhappiness and bitterness I think that they've used the abuse and stayed I think that's a safe space and a comfortable zone to stay a you know to stay a remain a victim um, and use that as an excuse where you know I've always said I had no reason to to succeed and that was reason enough for me and then my sister she's you know successful she's a total workaholic she's She's a really, really hard worker, an amazing worker. She's super smart, super intelligent, but she has a lot of anger. And I think that I was really fortunate because I, even in school, when my dad died, I was allotted the school counselor because of his death, not because of the abuse. Right. So I started going to my school counselor because that became available to me, but it was, I was using it to deal with the abuse that my father, not because he had died. But I think that in our family too, to 
you know, I think they just view emotion as weakness so they can, you know, my sister's very hard. My sister's very rough and pretty gnarly. Like (laughs) she's uh, pretty aggressive. And, um, you know, the attitude is like wild and there's just a lot of anger and that's, that's manifested from a lot of hurt. And I don't know if there's just, she doesn't, isn't comfortable going and talking about the abuse or she's just kind of like pushed it away. And does she have a family now? Do you think this is something that she might be passing on to her children if she has any? She does have one son. He's 14 and she is a very good provider. You know, she's a single parent. She's roofed him and feeds him and does all of that. But in terms of like being a nurturing loving mother I think there's room for improvement and my nephew's always been very sensitive he's actually super similar to me when he was born I was in high school and um, I had him all the time my sister was just working so I had him for the first few years of his life before I went on to college and I hope that that's left an impact on him to know that he's loved and he's experienced patience and you know he's nurtured but think that there's room for improvement in terms of just being a little bit more soft and gentle, but know that like physical abuse has not continued with my sister at all. Well, that's good to hear. So Justin, you talk a lot about all of these subjects, the growing up in an abusive household, how that affected Shane and and the decisions that brought him to attacking Nancy Kerrigan. Where is your film being shown right now? So the film will be uh, available uh, on all the video on demand platforms from your cable company. It'll be on Amazon Prime. It'll be on Apple TV and iTunes, uh, YouTube TV, and a bunch of other streaming places May 3rd. So now. (laughs) (laughs) And just circling back, I think what was interesting to me is to see the parallel of their stories, even though they happened at different points of their life. They each decided at a young age that they needed to protect themselves from the abuse. And Shane decided to build himself up to be the strongest, scariest person who couldn't be a victim anymore. And Miley decided that if she overachieved, it would immunize her from ever becoming like her family. And then somehow, miraculously, they each on their own figured out that they were not living authentically. And each of them made a choice to turn back and to to, to live a life that was more truly them. And Um, you know, I don't know why some siblings have a harder time. I know a lot of people have gone through, you know, similar difficult situations and haven't been able to make that same empowering choice. And, you know, I think we hope that this film will show that it is an option that you can reclaim who you are and take it back from whatever you experienced, um, that was of no fault of your own, given your, your childhood circumstances. Um, and I didn't know going into this, if Shane, was just a hero to Miley because she had created this delusion or not. But having gone through this film and gotten to know them really well, they are both worthy of of being called heroes to me for what they've been able to do. Wow. Yeah. My opinion has definitely changed, Shane. I was very much aware, followed Olympics and ice skating very closely, so was very much aware of this incident and was very much surprised by this documentary, which I'm I'm happy about because I feel like 
our society is predicated on if you make a mistake, you can redeem yourself. And yet, how many people actually allow others to be redeemed? Or even if you have redeemed yourself in some way, people's opinions don't change. They only see the bad thing that happened. So it's actually really nice to see this story that you have taken responsibility. I think that's the biggest thing, Shane, is you actually have taken responsibility for this act because also so many people don't and they just keep blaming other people saying, oh, I've changed, but it's still the other person's fault. Yeah, I think it's, I really think it's necessary to come and really look at yourself because if you don't, if you don't recognize that you are the core of the problem, then it's very difficult to fix the problem. Whether it's a car, whatever the system that's broken is, like you have to identify what's wrong with it before you can fix it, you know? And I think you have to look at yourself in a humble way, you know, if you can. And then I also think people are very, it's very hard for people to take criticism, all of us. And I think it's it's shifting through the criticism that is looking at that criticism and go, is there something to this criticism? And I think that it becomes very easy to be defensive. I think it becomes very easy to be someone that becomes like, well, this person said this, but they don't really know me. But if you look at human nature, you can look and go, well, I can see that. You know, so you don't build up this like bitterness or this anger towards people, even if they don't like you, because it's like, well, they have a preconceived notion of who I am because of this event or this thing I did. And, and it's like, okay, well, if, if you don't like that, then fix what your issue is, change who you are as a person and then take responsibility. And there's nowhere for anyone, anyone to go because it's kind of like, well, did they, did they say that they were sorry do they seem like they really felt bad for it? And it's like, yeah. Or are they doing the same thing? No. It's like, well, there is nowhere else to go. But like I said, there has to be movement before people will really start to be able to see that you have actually started to change. And, and it's an incredible thing because once you do, it's amazing how many people will support you. Once they see that you're like, wow, this person is really trying, trying is such an empowering thing. Because like my sister was saying, we all fail. We learn more from failing than we do from succeeding. Mm -hmm. And I think you even hear that we're talking about finances and jobs and careers and companies and stuff like that. It's like you talked, it doesn't matter who you're talking to. It's like, no, I learned a lot. Most of what I've learned was from my failing, not from my success. And the people that are innovative today are people that have failed completely gotten down to barely nothing and then raise themselves up because they had the belief in themselves and the belief in whether it's their product or their passion or whatever, you know? So I think the biggest part of it is, is that if you can change your life and then people realize like, wow, I made like a really big mistake. It doesn't, it's not going to encompass your whole life. But I feel and can see it in people's life where that does happen. They make a mistake. They're like, this is who I identify as. And they give up. And that hurts everybody. Because realistically, if people are doing what they love to do, if people are doing what makes them happy, if people are doing things that energize them, they're just better people to be around. 
they're happier. They, they're calmer. You know, it's like when you look at somebody from a small portion of who they are, it dehumanizes the person. So once you get to humanize someone, you get to kind of see more of the core of who they are and you, and you get to kind of know them. It's like, wow, this is somebody that is really a special person. And I think that elevates you to the point of even if they make mistakes, understanding like, you know, we all have a bad day. I don't know. You know, I could meet you tomorrow never met you before. And I'm like, wow, this, she doesn't seem like a very nice lady. Right. You know, I don't know your, your dog of 15 years could have passed away that morning. I don't know what's going on in your life, but generally speaking, if somebody has an attitude or an issue or whatever, they're going through stuff and we've all been there. So I think kind of having that empathy for people in their lives helps a lot. Shane, do you have a family now? And do you have a career as well? I don't have a family. I decided probably about 10 years ago that I didn't want to have children. It sounds like a weird, but I looked at it from a ROI perspective. (laughs) 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 So I was like, wow. It's the right move. (laughs) I agree completely. Actually, I have no children and decided 30 years ago that was not a part of my life. Yes. It's funny to people because they ask me, like, I have a vasectomy. And they're like, oh, like, why did you... I surprisingly, when I got the vasectomy, the amount of questions and input that I got from people was way bigger than I thought it would be. You know, <laughs> how could you do that? You know, to why would you do that? Or what about, you know, passing on your name or whatever? And I think as I was growing up, I was afraid that I would be a bad parent. So I did not want to, even if I was better than my father. Even if I was twice as good, I would still be a horrible father. So as I learned and as I grew and as I started kind of understanding my issues and my problems and started really the healing process, I also was looking at what kind of life do I want to live? What kind of person do I want to be? But what kind of ultimately life do I want to live? It's one thing that I really respect about about my sister, Miley is that we approached parenting. I approached it as I don't want to have children. She has a daughter. But we understood that you are completely 100% responsible for this human being. Their outcome a lot of times has to do with you. The way that they're raised has to do with you. How they feel about themselves has to do with you. It's a humongous responsibility. And now you no longer are your number one priority. If you're a parent, you're your number one priority, then you probably are going to have parenting issues realistically. So I was like, I don't want to do that. I understood the realities. I think people think of having children and they're like, oh, I get to dress them and they do some cute stuff and and it's pretty culturally across the board. Everybody's going to like get married, have kids, stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's a lot different now. I have a girlfriend and she doesn't want to have children. So it works out. It works out really well uh, as far as that goes. And, and I'm not trying to promote not having children, but it gives me so much more time. It gives me so much more money and flexibility that it's easier for me to parlay into things that I really want to do. So I'm currently a district property manager in Southern California. So I manage uh, multiple rental properties from, you know, houses to condos, apartment 
buildings and stuff like that. It's not something that I'm passionate about. It does afford me the money to live. I make a decent income. I have been working on and am shifting into having a consulting business that's more of like a life and wellness, uh, more of like a life coaching business from the things that I've learned and went through. And I'm not, I'm not coming up with any unique mindsets. I'm looking at successful people. Like we talked about pattern recognition. So I'm looking at people that are successful financially, mentally, spiritually, and looking at those people and go, Oh, like, what are those people doing to be successful? Even though they all come from different backgrounds, they come from different countries. They come from their different ages and all this stuff. There's, there's a cord that goes through a lot of things. So I look at that cord and I think that I can help a lot of people. And I hope that I can help encourage. I have a heart for in particular men that are in their mid forties to mid 50, 55, 60. I think that the hopelessness that they get into, it's clear if you look at the, the suicide rate of men, Mm-hmm. I believe it's like, look, if you want to change something in your life, there are ways to do it. And you should try to be the best you can be, even if that's that takes small increments of time. Even if you improve yourself 1% every single day, that's 365% improvement throughout a year. You know, and that's been kind of my thought and philosophy on it. So um, I'm not doing what I love to do. It allows me the money and the time to do things that I love to do, which is a great place to be because it's basically, if you can do what you love to do and you can get paid to do it, that's the ultimate. If you can do something that you're good to do, that gives you the time and money to do what you like to do or you're passionate about, that's about the second. The third thing goes, you're doing something you don't really like to do, but it pays your bills. That's where most of everybody's landing. Yeah. Or you're working, you do something you hate doing, and it doesn't even give you enough money to pay your bills. So people are on those last two tracks generally. So my goal is for was for myself to get to the first or second. And so now I'm transferring from the second as far as doing something that makes good money and putting it into an effort that will be something that I enjoy, that's fulfilling, that I can help other people, but still make a good living out after you got out of prison, how long did it take you to get back on your feet financially? 25 years. <laughs> no, it really, it, I think what it was, was that I have a good work ethic and I recognized that I knew that I had, there was something that I, that I needed to do and wanted to do, but I didn't know exactly. I wasn't able to identify that. So I'm kind of a minimalist. For example, it's like, I have like a Toyota truck thing will run for 300,000 miles. It's completely paid off. My girlfriend's car is like a small key. It gets good gas mileage. It's paid off. I have no credit card debt. I have no, so I keep my, my living expenses and my job pays for my apartment. So I keep my living expenses really low. That way I don't have that huge every single month bill that has to come through where it's like, I'm living over realistically. I'm not, there's a lot of people that are making really good money that are that are working and they spend every part of their money. Mm-hmm. And it's like for me to do something else, I have to make $18,000 a month. 
I put myself in a position where I didn't have to do that financially. So it gave me the freedom to do my own business, to train, to enjoy things that I want to do. So I lowered my costs in life, kept it very simple because nobody really cares what kind of car you drive or whatever. You're not going to impress anybody for the most. You should be driving a really expensive car if it's not expensive to you. (laughs) You So I changed that part of my life, which helped me be more financially successful because I look and it's like if I buy something that's on the higher end, it's, it's usually something that has to do with growth. So it's something that helps me sleep better. It's something that helps me be physically, emotionally, and mentally better as a person. So I put those things into effect. And now I position myself where I'm good enough at my job, where my boss is like, I can do whatever I want during the day. I can do whatever I want. I know what's required for me to do a good job and I get it done. Once you get to that position, then it's like, I can work on my own business. I'm getting ready to do jujitsu competitions. Oh, so I can train in the middle of the afternoon. So I've established a point where I have enough freedom to really grow in the areas that I want to grow. And I think that that financial freedom and not being stressed out about if the car breaks down or I don't have to think about grocery shopping or anything like that. And that has given me, I think that's the best place to be, especially if you're going to transition into something, something different. And Justin, with your movie making, how are you doing financially? How much money do you have to put up for this documentary? <laughs> well, yeah, you want specifics since it's a financial movie? Sure. Yeah, uh, it was it's self-funded, Labor of Love. So uh, myself and another producer funded it. And I think our total budget was around, at the end of the day, about $55,000. And yeah, I, I would love to keep doing what I love. So people download it and stream it. And if you love it, tell your friends that would definitely help me be able to continue making things that I'm passionate about. So you were saying that this is available on Amazon Prime. Yes. Do you get a cut for every time somebody downloads that? We do. Yeah. Did you get Um, money up front as well? And then a piece of, or is it only you'll get money if people download it? So we have a distribution deal and we, it's a small advance of $5,000, which hasn't been paid out yet. But after that, yes, it's per stream. And it's, I think it's, I think they have to actually stream like more than 20 minutes or something of it to even get uh, a few pennies. So wow, uh, we just need a few million people to stream it. It'd be great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Miley, anything to add for you, your life going forward? Where do you see yourself in a couple of years? Well, I've said to many people, I'm done making big decisions, but um, no, I just want to continue to raise my daughter mindfully and um, she's as hard as it is. And, you know, these two will, will attest that I have definitely supported their decision in not having children because this is the hardest thing um, I have ever done. And yes, it is the most fulfilling and the most rewarding thing. And I'm so proud and I can truly say I'm a great mom. But yeah, I just want to continue to see my daughter just thrive and become who she's meant to become and, and be there to nurture and support all of her sparkles that she's brought to this world. 
thank you so much to my guests. We have filmmaker Justin Young. He is the producer of My Hero, The Hitman, Miley Stant and Shane Stant, and they are the subjects of the documentary My Hero, The Hitman, which can be seen pretty much anywhere you download, definitely on Amazon Prime and other streaming services as well. So hopefully people will check that out. And I did learn a lot from the documentary, especially about redemption especially in the eyes of your loved ones. I think that for Shane is probably more important to you than anybody else. It's having that sense of redemption in your sister's eyes. I'm sure it was a shock to her to learn about the attack on Nancy Kerrigan. Right, right. Yeah, I'm just excited for the world to meet my brother. Like, this is my brother, and I'm excited for the world to... You can see how smart he is. I mean, jeez. <laughs> that would have been probably nice to use more of the brain back in 1994 <laughs> well there's uh there's you know i i will use the excuse of being young and dumb so that does and it's funny because when i see and i meet and i talk to you throughout training and just you know i'm always open to talking to a lot of young people and it's like you look at them they make comments and they're talking about stuff and they're 20 21 years old and you just think wow it's such a different mindset in just getting experience in life and you know they're going to make mistakes as we all do there's different variations and intensities of making those mistakes and i think the one thing that that is it is kind of rings in my head is you can make decisions that are life changing what you do with that life changing decision has a lot to do with your mindset, but definitely our decisions can course you and put you on a different path. And then you have to maneuver around and through that path the best way that you can. And I think that my hope is that people will look at my story and people will look at my business and what I do and say, Hey, you know what? I still have an opportunity to make the best out of something that was negative and this is not going to, you know, encompass who I am as a person, uh, because I think the worst thing is to feel hopeless, to feel like you just have no hope for the future. And that's just a horrible place for any person to be. And I think a lot of people are in that place. So hopefully this documentary will let people know that regardless of how big your mistake was on a world scale, huge stage that there is redemption and that there is hope. And I'm extremely happy with my life and I'm excited every single day for it. And I'm growing every single day. And I hope that other people can get to that point. Miley says in the film about, you know, learning about Shane's past and hopefully this is a takeaway for everyone. It's not about looking back and shaming him about who he was, but it's really about celebrating how far he's come from that. And so hopefully we can all do that for ourselves and each other. I love that. That is a great way to finish the conversation. So thank you so much to my guests. And please look up the movie, the documentary, My Hero, The Hitman. Great. Thanks, Heather. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. 
Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.